What is up, Bitcoiners? It's CK sitting here with Ansel. We got a big smile on our faces. Bitcoin is fighting with 19K, and that is a very good problem to have. That's a very good fight for Bitcoin to be having. Um, And today we are going to be talking about Bitcoin. We're going to be talking about a little bit of central bank updates, um, some headlines coming out this morning. Um, And we are actually going to focus on last week's episode. Uh, It was our interview with Jeff Booth. If you've not listened to that episode, go back. Make sure to listen to that first and then come listen to this episode. But we're going to be, ta- you know, Jeff really laid it out and, uh, and I think he did a very good job of uh, breaking down some very nuanced topics that we've been discussing at length for several episodes here. So I think it's worth it for us to kind of tease into uh, some of his points. Um, before we get into that, though, let's talk about our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Paxful.com. You guys have heard of it about Paxful for quite some time from me. Uh, Paxful is the leading P2P exchange. Um, if you want to turn something in the traditional fiat world into Bitcoin and you don't have you know traditional banking uh, routes to do it or you can't just sign up for Coinbase, uh, if you don't live in the West, odds are is Paxful is the best way for you to do that. And because Paxful uh, makes a deliberate effort to allow people to plug in anything into Bitcoin, Amazon gift cards, Domino's gift cards, um, you know, cash, wire, they plug into uh, very, um, you know, third world banking systems. They do everything they can to plug into Bitcoin. Um, So they've created an amazing network, a P2P network of buyers and sellers. Um, Anywhere you live in the world, you can participate in this P2P economy. There's a lot of money to be made. Go check out Paxful dot com backslash podcast so that way they know we sent you there um, a lot of sats on the table over at Paxful so if you are a uh, if you are a uh, entrepreneurial Bitcoiner it's a good place to start next is a new sponsor this is lvl.co lvl is a brand new type of exchange they are currently live in 28 states in the United States and they want to treat Bitcoin like money They don't want to be like a Coinbase or a Gemini where they make money on uh, trading fees or on a spread. Uh, What they're trying to do is they're trying to take traditional banking services and treat Bitcoin the same way. Uh, So with LVL, that's actually a full FDIC insured bank as well. Uh, So that can be your checking account. Uh, You can trade Bitcoin on the LVL platform commission and uh, fee free. So there is no fee trading. Um, on on uh, on LVL, uh, they offer Bitcoin stable coins and then uh, Ethereum and Litecoin. You know, over here we think that those are kind of a waste of time when it comes to investing. But ultimately, uh, cryptocurrency space is about choice, and uh, and LVL is offering a new choice for how you can trade and invest in Bitcoin. Uh, you can do it in a new model with their their fee free uh, model. So. Go check them out. They're out on the App Store and on the uh, Play Store. Um, and you can learn more at lvl.co. Uh, so again, new sponsor of the show. We'll be talking about them and talking about more of their features on future episodes. All right, Ansel. I've been talking for a while. Uh, let's just, I'll, I'll toss it over to you. What were your thoughts, I guess, high level on this uh, interview we just had with Jeff Booth? Oh, high level. I thought it was great. We We asked more than the typical questions that he gets, you know, I mean, we are 
kind of uh, a more, I mean, we're accessible to noobs on this show, but we uh, at, do ask like hard Bitcoiner questions. And I think we dove into some really good things uh, to tease apart his theory on technological deflation. So yeah, what, what was your uh, thoughts? Um, we, we talked afterwards that, man, it went so well. And we say that every time, like after we get done recording, we're like, oh man, that was a real good interview. But then uh, this one seemed to be really good. Like I felt really good about it. We, we went through a lot of stuff. What was your favorite part about the whole interview? I think the last question I asked him in his reaction to it, that is, that is what kind of concluded and brought the entire point together for me. Um, and he'd been discussing this point about how we need to reframe how we look at the world and that looking, even thinking about like the, what I asked him was like, you know, Ansel says that growth will, you know, the old system will start to die and stagflate and growth will be on Bitcoin. Opportunity will be on Bitcoin. And he kind of snapped back and said, no, like there won't be like growth is not even going to be a good way to think about what the future will be like and what the incentive model will be like. Um, Like you have to get rid of this idea of growth altogether. If you want to try to understand what a world that is aligned with technological depreciation looks like. And I mean, that made, that made a lot of sense to me. And I know that like I've had a lot of back and forth with Bitcoin Tina about this as well. And uh, I think that Tina really uh, aligns with uh, what Jeff was saying. So that was the most powerful point to me. And uh, again, I'm not doing this specific point justice. So if you have not listened to the episode, seriously, go back, listen to the whole thing. And that is, uh, you know, the last five minutes is the specific point I just mentioned. Yeah, I think, well, the way we define growth is going to change dramatically. I think that's the main point. Um, it's hard to say, oh, GDP will go up um, or this type of investment will go up. This type of asset class will go up. No, I think you just have to define growth a different way and sound money um, will you know, flip everything on its head, I think. So GDP won't be what we talk about anymore for growth. It'll be something new. Do you have any inclination into like what would be more appropriate worldviews or economic measurements in a sound money world? I mean, you can go back to basics and just say demographics, right? When, when people are feeling well off and people's well-beings are, you know, you have a good feeling of well-being in your society, your culture, your country, even down to the individual bank accounts, usually you, you have more children. And you have a better demographic structure to society that's more sustainable. Uh, things that, you know, like these, uh, the boom bust cycle is driven by credit expansions that will, will still have a business cycle most likely. Right. But it'll be much more muted. It won't be like a crisis that we have to save the financial system. It will be these periods of deleveraging and, and reflation kind of. Uh, so yeah, that's what I would say. Demographics are the biggest thing. Yeah, that makes sense because demographics is kind of like everything that human society is doing. Like if you were to sum it up as like one total like endpoint is like how well the society is doing. You can look at, you know, how well is it reproducing itself? How well is it like, you know, it it kind of is maintaining its forward march like that does sound like a like an ultimate measure. And if you were to like use demographics to judge our current economic system, kind of across the board, you can see that we're failing everywhere except for in the complete third world. Yeah. I mean, every place that has seen 
a big boom over the last 30 years. So this would be the BRICS, the emerging markets, they, uh, China, I mean, China might be a bad example for this, but, um, they, yeah, their demographic structures are better, but the U S is, is best out of like the Western society. So that does like European demographics are horrible. Um, Japan, horrible. It, I mean, there's, there's gotta be other ways to measure it possibly. Like, I mean, you'd have to bring it down to basics. Like how many people are in prison? Like what's your prison population? Um, different things like that can say how healthy your society is. Um, versus gdp what was the what was the most powerful thing that jeff said in your opinion well i really liked diving down into uh the misallocation piece is all technology equally deflationary um his his concept is that technology um adds a deflationary uh impetus that is offset by printing of money but I th- I think of it that's the other way around. I think that inflation comes first and then the deflation from the uh, technology is what's offsetting the inflation. Uh, but we did dive into that a little bit. So that was interesting. I know you, you were trying to push that narrative and I, I feel like he didn't even <laughs> accept it at all. No, no, he's, so, he just glossed over it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we do the reflection show because we can kind of talk about this stuff. To me, it makes more sense that technology was the predecessor, but I can see that, you know, once the cycle begins of inflation driven in like, or fueled uh, or accelerated innovation, um, that it's just always compounding, right? And because that cycle, you know, at least in the recent history has never really been allowed to deflate, um, you know, I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's how we've gotten to this point. Yeah, but technology, but um, modern finance is what finances technology and finances this innovation. If we have sound money, right? Like in in the gold, and people talk about the classical gold standard where we had gentle natural deflation of you know two percent a year or something. Um, that's I can see that being sustainable and very healthy going forward. Um, and that's what I would think is about a healthy amount of technological innovation. Right. But if you start uh, going up and, and being able to finance all this R&D, you're able to, you know, it's all consumption driven. You start breaking down into materialism and, and then this innovation is misallocated into producing widgets that really people don't want. But they're on this hamster wheel of the fiat system. And so yeah. it's, it's all misallocated technology. It's not really it's not well, really so good innovation. You know, what I'm can saying? I pu- can I push back a little bit? Absolutely. So I think I think you're right, but I, I don't think I think what his pushback was is that people won't use technology that they don't want. And yeah, okay, maybe the technology got there because of f- financing, but I think what is a more accurate description of what you're feeling is the drive for companies to obsolete like planned obsolescence of their hardware, right? Well, I think Apple's a great example of this is like you know, my iPhone six probably is good enough. If it was running all open source tech to do what I wanted it to do, like it's probably good, probably good to just lasting for, for 10 years, you know? Um, but Apple has to, because they, they're in this system that's inflation driven, they have to cut and growth driven. They constantly have to sell more phones and they have to get all of their customers to continue buy, buying new phones. And they are driven to 
obsolete the hardware and the innovation that is, you know, kind of already built out there. And that's why when I look at Bitcoin and how Bitcoin never wastes ASICs, it's a complete 180 from the current fiat system. Like the current fiat system wastes so much hardware because they're always like making the, the software more demanding and, you know, more this, more that in order to continuously justify the need to replace the hardware and to upgrade. Um, so and then I look at Bitcoin and, you know, S9s um, are just used in more and more efficient environments and they're never thrown away. I think that that's, that's at least mentally how I view the, the shift. I, I don't necessarily agree that people know what they want. I think that, you know, humans are very changeable and modable. And if you have um, fiat money, society's time preference changes. And if you have sound money, your time preference is different. So not just time preference, but all preferences will be different. And people won't really care about if they have an iPhone, you know, 13 or an iPhone 10, they don't really care, right? And they might not have that choice because phones might be more expensive. But um, like, I think the entire preference structure of society changes when you have sound money. And that, so the fiat, the fiat structure of society, the preference structure, uh, and incentivizes this constant innovation. But once you have sound money, you have less, less of that. And so the, you know, like in a free market, the consumer is always right. Um, the cons- it's a consumer driven thing. If you don't, you can make some fancy widget, but if you don't have people to sell it to, then, you know, it's, it's no sure. good. It doesn't and, work. And this is like the argument that like Bitcoin's going to tar- like, free the world from bullshit plastic things and like stuff that just breaks quickly because everyone is always trying to have the most modern furniture. Instead, they're going to try to build robust things that last because you're, you know, you always have to choose like, do I want to trade my Bitcoins that will for sure go up in value over time for this thing? And when you do that, it better be freaking worth it. And those things better last. Right. So I I'm all, I'm all aligned with that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're on the Truly, I don't think we're arguing. You know, I think we're just yeah. describing the same phenomenon in different ways. And I, and as I listened to to Jeff, like you know, we kind of entered into the conversation as like, hey, you know, there's this confrontation between financial deflation and technological deflation. And I I exited the conversation saying like the energy of the universe is shifting, and the way that everything is organized is shifting in a certain way. And we are observing that change and we are trying to describe it to the best of our ability. Our descriptions just, you know, will always be lacking or missing or, you know, whatever. But ultimately it's, it's the understanding that we are realigning to deflation and Bitcoin is an opportunity to kind of like ride that realignment. And and that's the investment opportunity. I think that's, that's the insight. Basically we're agreeing. Uh, Jeff and you and I are agreeing and, and all these other people are agreeing, but uh, y'all are agreeing um, and I'm just learning. Well, but it's, it's a point of where is the force being applied and that, you know, that's very important. So is the force being applied on the technology side, right? So I would, I would think that Jeff Booth would say, yeah, the force is being applied through this technological deflation. And then the central banks are responding by printing money to keep everything from deflating where I'm saying it's the opposite. I'm saying that 
the, the force is being applied through the inflation or through the type of money that we have. And the, defla- uh, the technology innovation is a response to that inflation. So we, we agree on what's happening, but we disagree on what, where is the force being applied. And that, that has big consequences when you try to think about the future, um, where we go from here. And that's where we kind of ended the show when, you're, when we transitioned into a Bitcoin future and culture and society and stuff. Um, I mean, that has huge consequences when you start trying to predict the future, which I think we all do right that we all are interested in what the future has uh, in store for us yeah i've i've i'm the most i guess scared writer ever but i have a massive backlog of like thinking that i've been doing about like a bitcoin future and a bitcoin standard and how that affects people and how people organize around truth and things like that um so I, there's a lot of content I need to be putting out via Bitcoin magazine about that. But um, I'm just right now, I'm just sitting on all that stuff and like trying to build up the confidence to actually ship. Um, but ultimately, like when we do think of like a world under a Bitcoin standard, like I think one of the best quotes I heard is actually from Bitcoin sign guy. So famous photo, famous meme. Uh, this guy pops up right behind Janet Yellen during the hearing saying with a like, notepad that said buy Bitcoin. Super um, but, smart guy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's extremely, extremely articulate and well yeah. thought out. But um, I was interviewing him for POV crypto and he said, Bitcoin is a technology of stasis. Like Bitcoin, it, it, it is about maintenance. It's about like maintain, like kind of like preserving what is. And um, I was thinking about like, it's, it, there's this quote that's like, you know, when the idea has, when the right idea ha- meets the right moment, it becomes unstoppable, something along those lines. And like, you know, I think for some, at some point in time, like the inflation driven technology, whether those technology first or inflation first, like that was the right move for society. Like that actually had a massive utility for society, but we're just getting to the point where now it's becoming toxic. Right. And you know, it's almost like we are at this perfect moment where everything is aligned and now Bitcoin can flip us to this new paradigm. Um, and it's like this idea, this understanding of how the world should be organized. And it's, it's just, it's meeting all the lines in order. Yeah. I don't think we have a choice. Uh, like, like how we respond to inflation or different types of money. Uh, I think it's kind of natural. So the, yeah, the, when you are, when your society or culture or the world is exposed to fiat currency with a very elastic money supply, um, then you can, uh, you know, then when you add that to competition between nations, so you put that in the context of the cold war or, U.S. versus China or any anything, you know, that mercantilism in general, where countries are competing against each other, uh, then you get that drive towards innovation. And even down to the individual level, you get that drive towards innovation. And if there is a possibility that it can happen, then somebody will do it and beat you. And so you better do it, right? So I don't think that there is necessarily a choice. Um, same goes with sound money. I agree that it's for sustainability. But again, I don't think we necessarily have a choice in that either. We would just, uh, the, the type of money that we use affects you on a subconscious level as affects society in a way that they make decisions. We make decisions 
towards a more sustainable type of capital structure. And uh, that I think is a good thing right now, especially in the world. No, no, absolutely. And uh, that's why I'm so bullish again. Like I think the world needs Bitcoin. Like I think that the shift to stasis is healthy. And like, if you look at a lot of the concerns that people try to solve with political means, you know, Bitcoin solves them right much more effectively much more, you know, to the point. Uh, so I'm just excited to uh, see resolution. And I think Bitcoin offers that. Absolutely. I could say a lot about the recent stuff with the free speech on Twitter and, and all those things, but I don't think we want to get into that. Yeah, well, I mean, let's jump into central banks, right? So Bitcoin is a solution to the central banking problem. There's been several um, highlights in, uh, and headlines coming out earlier today. Today is Tuesday. Uh, December 1st. Ansel, do you kind of want to run us by uh, the newsfeed? Yeah, there's two kind of things that jumped out at me. Uh, this Christine Lagarde is now embroiled in this scandal or some controversy. Uh, there were some phone calls made prior to some policy decisions. Uh, and that is, you know, just smacks of cronyism. Uh, so these people that are highly connected, they get a phone call from Christine Lagarde before some sort of policy decision is announced to the market. So that's just really bad. Um, and the next one is Powell and Steve Mnuchin. Uh, they testified in front of Congress. Uh, they're pushing a lot of this, uh, I guess, onus back onto Congress saying, we, we've done all we can with what power you've given us. It's now on you guys to do something. And they're trying to push back. Uh, Congress is trying to push back on them saying they need to do more, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just interesting um, update on the two most powerful central banks. I don't know. I think the U S central bank is in a much better position right now, uh, not only because it's the world reserve currency, but because uh, I think Powell is a very level headed person and it seems like Lagarde is corrupt through and through. It's very interesting because I saw some preliminary stats on Twitter about the the new relief package, and it does not include any stimulus check, at least according to that original tweet. Uh, there's plenty of PPE. There's a lot of money for the vaccine. Uh, there is you know, insurance and other payment protection things for businesses, but no, P, no, uh, no stimulus check. The American people had all the money that was created, printed, distributed, they only got one $1,200 check from the U.S. government. Um, so what do you have to say about at least, you know, those rumored stats for uh, at least some fiscal action from Congress? Well, that's the easier route for corruption too, right? Like we heard a lot of businesses that were getting bailouts or getting grants. That was where all the corruption was. I don't think you heard people saying like, oh, they added a child into their household to get an extra check from the government. So um, yeah, it's just interesting. They go down the most easily corruptible route, the typical. I, and I guess we're not getting our Bitcoin buying check because we would just put that right into Bitcoin, I think. Do you think that the populace will stand for that? Like people are hurting. Like there's no question about it. Like the thought of lockdown 2.0, I, I feel like is very bearish. It doesn't seem like the stock market is forecasting that as Zoom tumbles today significantly and other lockdown stocks takes take hits but um you know for what it's worth you know people have been absolutely and utterly wrecked by this entire year the fact that there's no stimulus money at all mean for them 
Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously it's bad. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, This probably going to lead to civil unrest and riots in the street. And this is not even thinking about what's going on with the, you know, selecting the next president. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. And it could get it could get pretty violent in the street. Ansel thinks potential civil unrest. I don't, do I don't want civil unrest. I mean, nothing's off the table. Like, I, I do not think that politicians that are currently and will be in power are in tune with the American people whatsoever. Trump was a symptom of that. And kind of returning back to Joe Biden, you know, standard, whatever, uh, swamp standard, like that, that just proves the left doesn't understand what, you know, everyone who voted for Trump was saying. And I, I don't think it's over. Like, uh, and I think these lockdowns and it's just not with the zeitgeist, like the people don't want it waiting, hoping for the best. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, the next decade is going to be hard times all around the world, no matter how, who's in power the next 10 years, when you look at that, it's going to be very hard for everybody in the world. I just saw a stat about, uh, people in Africa. It's something like 200 million people have entered extreme poverty this year in Africa. And it's, I mean, there's going to be widespread famine in Africa from this millions, tens of millions of people will starve. So the next few years are going to be real rough. Let's switch to Bitcoin. There's just, there's a lot to comment about here. Um, Right now uh, we're ranging, you know, it's very volatile right now. Uh, Wick down to the low 18, 18, 18,000s has been as high as the high 19,000s last night. Um, what are you seeing from Bitcoin price action right now? And, uh, what, what is your anticipation for the next few weeks? It's not going to go up in a straight line. And I feel bad for those noobs that come in and they are starting to trade and they're going to go long at the top and it's going to correct, you know, 30% on them. Uh, so just buy and hold. That's the best decision, especially uh, if you're brand new to the space. And um, I, I think that the market, at least Bitcoin, is a window onto people's thought process in this entire, I guess, situation that the world is going through. Um, it's interesting that it continues to go up uh, as even as the underlying fundamentals of the economy go down and people you'd think people wouldn't have the money to spend on bitcoin but they do and it keeps going up so um that's kind of my thoughts on that brady swenson from swan bitcoin had a fantastic thread um titled hodl fomo where it's like the fomo is is about like people allocating and actually holding on to massive portions of the bitcoin network and massive percentages of the bitcoin network and as the price you know, goes up, you, the the percentage that you can actually own of the networks quickly becomes out of reach. And that effect mm-hmm. creates um, FOMO for hodling, uh, which uh, amongst institutions, amongst high net worth individuals, um, and obviously Bitcoin is hyper scarce. So um, the price action uh, can be rather extreme to the upside because of all those dynamics. Yes, but I don't think anything has changed. We're going to have the same dynamics as last time. We're going to have the same dynamics as before, you know, people are going to come in. They're going to be, there's going to be weak hands. There's even going to be weak hands on the institutional side. So 
I mean, yes, yeah, it sounds great saying, oh, these people are going to put 500 million into Bitcoin, but it's not going to sound so great when they're selling 400 million or something like that. Right. So, um, and of course, you know, it, you got to think about it as balance sheets as well. So let's say they're going to say, okay, we're going to uh, invest 5% of our portfolio into Bitcoin. Well, if that 5% doubles at the end of the year, they have to reallocate, right? That means they have to sell half their Bitcoin to get back down to 5%. So that's, it's going, I mean, there's, there's pluses and minuses for all this stuff. And in the end, of course, Bitcoin is going to continue to march forward. Um, but no, nothing is different this time. It's going to be, don't, I mean, <laughs> like uh, I, we were talking before about, it's not going to go to a hundred thousand overnight. It's going to be hard, hard one climbing the, climbing the ladder. There, I think there will be a moment where Bitcoin just takes off and that's it. It's just the world just all of a sudden reprices. That's not now. And for Why? throughout Why the last. That? Why would you think that? Technology adoption works like that. And because Bitcoin is a finite supply money that is also going through the technological adoption curve, it'll eventually S up. We don't normally see it so profoundly in technology because you know, there's no price to, you yeah. can't invest directly in the value token of the technology going mainstream. But with Bitcoin, it'll be the first thing that we really see it fully. Like you could kind of see it in, in technology stocks, but um, Bitcoin is going to be extremely direct and extremely in your face. You know, for the, the meantime, my entire experience with Bitcoin is the price has always been earned. Every price level has been earned and yeah, it might shoot past it, but it'll always retest. It'll always retest. I think it also depends on your scale. So like, yeah, I think it could go to a million really quickly and then fall back to a hundred thousand or something. So it's going to be volatile. Um, but that's going to feel like it got up to a million all at once. Right. But it's, it's going to take a while to steady out and to keep a, uh, sustainable market cap. So we'll see, like, does that make sense or am I? You know, rambling? I mean, I, I, no, I, I think that that is a hundred percent true until it's not true. And there's just going to be a point where things get really freaking crazy. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's just always a, an incentive to dump it. And as long as there's any value, like until, until Bitcoin becomes so liquid that it's like the ultimate liquidity event is now Bitcoin is the most saleable good in the world. They'll always be incentive to, you know, take profit. Yeah. And there will always be incentive for whales to scare you into taking profit. So yeah, this, it's not going to be like, yeah, there's, there's those bulls out there. But their like, ability will be lessened over time. Like once you get to most saleable good status, everything has changed. But w what true. you're saying is we're not there yet. And I agree. Yes. So here's a, a stat that I really love is uh, Satoshi's per dollar. And when Bitcoin mm -hmm. hits 20K, we'll be at 5,000 Satoshi's per dollar, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, an interesting little um, milestone there. Man, 1,000 Satoshi's per dollar. That's spicy. That's 100K <laughs> Bitcoin. I'm, I'm excited for that. What do you think about the denomination stuff? Are we going to stick with sats forever? Or is there going to be a larger denomination? 
I think it's going to be Sats and BTC, and that's it. Yeah, I remember when we were passing ten thousand the first time, and I was all trying to push this unit, the Finny. Remember that? I, I, I like the Finny. It's just the Finny not, is so much. Up. It's so much less well. Like even Villa BTC, all of those things. Like it's either going to be BTC or it's going to be the next most well-known unit, which is this, which is Satoshi. So those are the yeah. only two options in my mind. There's not going to be like a third. <laughs> denomination and to be honest like if when we get to five you know a thousand uh satoshis per dollar like i don't know what the dollar is going to look like in that world but like i could start seeing like things being priced that way in ways that a lot like the majority of the world is used to you know the majority of the world Mm. is used to looking at an apple and being like this is 300 units you know like maybe western and americans but I, i don't think the big denomination scared the majority of people in terms of like a ux yeah i agree I agree, but it's um, it maybe it gets harder when you're talking when you're talking about larger uh, like larger sums. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. All right, I think this is a good place to wrap up the show. Uh, you guys can find me at ck underscore snarks. You can find the podcast at Bitcoin Magazine, and now for the first time at the FedWatch exclusive RSS feed. So uh, you've been previously getting FedWatch on YouTube or. Um, from Libsyn or, you know, going directly to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast feed uh, with other shows on it. Now there's actually going to be an exclusive feed that is only FedWatch once per week. So uh, make sure to go check that out. This show will actually stop publishing on uh, the Bitcoin Magazine feed uh, at the end of this year. So in January, uh, we'll be only on the FedWatch exclusive RSS feed. So Go subscribe to that immediately if you're a FedWatch fan. And yeah, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I'll pass it off to Ansel. Why don't you plug yourself and the Bitcoin Dictionary and all that good stuff? Ansel Lindner, Bitcoin and Markets. That's my other podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. Check out the Bitcoin Dictionary, bitcoindictionary.cc. And yeah, I don't take any of my comments that we made today about uh, like I'm bearish on Bitcoin. Uh, I think that it's just going to be the same old pattern that we've seen every single time. And I don't want people to get wrecked when they go long at the top. That's all. The pattern has been consistent with last time. So um, there's no reason to think that any uh, pattern is going to end now. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.